Welcome back, everybody, to episode three, two, five, and ten. I am KC, your host, as always, accompanied by Ben Stu, hashtag NYR. This is our third episode, about two more than I thought we'd end up doing, so I'm very proud of us. I, yeah, this is three more than I thought we'd end up doing, so <laughs> pretty good. Uh, a little Sunday afternoon recording, which, I mean, I am thrilled about, so I still got the rest of the day. Um... Any pleasantries, Ben? Anybody got a shout out for uh, at the beginning? Uh, of course, I always got to give a shout out to the first lady. I uh, also want to give a shout out to Redder for giving us the time and ample opportunity to do this. But uh, other than that, shout out to Hank, the man of my life. I got a couple. I'm going to try and make it quick. Um, we had the Stratford True Love wedding this weekend up in uh, Vermont. Have you ever uh, oh, done yeah. Vermont, Benny? Because I saw I, have, I saw a crap and, ton of New York license plates. I didn't realize it was like that big. <laughs> well, that's where we go to get away since it's such a quiet area. I went up to Burlington uh, with Anna before we moved to the West Coast, and it was a really good visit. Yeah, no, like I, I've never been up there. So, um, like I said, we had the Stratford True Love wedding this weekend, and um, phenomenal. Like the backdrop, the foliage. I probably sound a little um. Old. It, environmentally friendly but um no i had a blast we had a good time uh i'd love to thank both of them for uh having me a part of the big day i think i clean up nice i look pretty good in a suit um as but yeah congrats to those two i mean i feel like they've been married since i've met them they've been together so long it, it feels that way and um i i told strat i'd have to give him a little speech here because i i think he thought i was i don't want to say a flight risk with the microphone if i got it but um you know, there may or may not have been a few beverages involved, so I think he was probably like, why don't you just do it on the pod so it's better so you don't give, like, my grandmother a heart attack or something. So, um, yeah, but aren't you a few beverages deep now on a podcast, too? This is carryover from last night. The, the only beverages I have today are Gatorade. So, uh, yeah, thank you for the recovery, uh, Stratford and True Love. <laughs> but, um, no, very happy for them, too. Uh if you guys don't know, Stratty is a listener. Boom. There's the shout out. Um, great dude. Great guy. Tall, handsome. If I was as big as endowed as him in certain uh, departments, you know. But, um, no, very happy for him and true love. Definitely evident that she makes him very happy. As a uh, friend, that's all I, uh, all I care about. I mean, as long as he's happy and they're doing good. Um, and, and also, too, we're going to throw this out there. She's a pediatrician, and her last name is True Love. Like, th that's who my kids are seeing. Like, there's no question. <laughs> like, the, the kids are sick. Doctor True Love. That's it. Like, thing over. Um, also, big out, Strata, bit a big shout out to Stratty too. Um, I remember when SLC was in the back of the normal pickup, not even the dump body, and uh, the big fleet and everything you got now. Um, just really hard work. A really good guy. So, shout out to him. Uh, appreciate all you do. I mean, for me saying all this about you, you probably got to take me to the 99 on a Thursday night soon. But um, I hope you guys enjoy the honeymoon. Uh, another yeah, show. Where are they headed? They're going to Bermuda. And I've been nice. to Bermuda. I love Bermuda. I've been there like three times. So they're definitely going to enjoy that. Just remember, they're on the left-hand side of the road. So it's going to be, don't rent the mopeds. Don't rent the mopeds. <laughs> uh, for making all that possible, big shout out to Big Kev. Uh, he had the animals all weekend. Uh, they're intact. We, we got back like an hour ago. Both of them are good. Kev risked it too, which was crazy. Brought them out to Canopy Lake. Whoa. And, um, no, Cam had a blast. I was dying. Um, Cam's really smart. Like he picks up on some things. He sees someone walk by with a soft serve. So he turns to Kev and he's like, Hey, um, I'm really hot. I need a, uh, <laughs> I, I need an ice cream to cool down. Mind you, the high was 50 yesterday. So, um, you know, played Big Kev like a fiddle, but, I mean, good for uh, Big Kev containing them. They're both healthy. They're both here. We're happy. So Yeah, but how's he doing? Um, He seemed to, the kids slept through the night for him. They won't do it for us. So <laughs> he made Grandpa out all right. Grandpa gets a special treatment. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he uh, what he fiddled there to make it work. But, um, yeah, they were through the night, so he had a good uh, couple of days. So, yeah, m much appreciation, Big Kev, for taking them for us. 
and I have one last shout out to uh, one of our listeners, one of my coworkers, the corporal, uh, got a new job. Thursday was his last day with us. Um, really good dude, American hero, legit. He did a couple of tours in Iraq. All around great guy. Um, wish him the best. All the best for you and the misses. Uh, we'll definitely go shoot some turkeys next year. Thank you for your service, sir. Yeah, no, the the corporal's the man, dude. Real deal. And uh, yet again, appreciate it, uh, Corporal Robert McFadden. Appreciate your uh, your listening, your friendship, and uh, wish you all the best in the future. So now that I got past all of that, um, let's fire her up. Injuries, they're, they're coming in hot now. Um, I got a couple on my list. I got Jumbo Joe, Jonathan Quick, Roberto Luongo, and Matt Murray. What do you think is happening there? Uh, Thornton, so it finally came out that it's an infection in his knee, so it's not anything structural, which is good for the Sharks out here. Um, the issue is his knees are going on him. Last two years, he's had two major knee injuries, two surgeries. Now he has an infection as a result of one of those surgeries in a knee. 39 years old. I mean, this year was probably considered his last legitimate chance for a run with the Sharks or in the league in general. Uh, so hopefully this is his only setback. Uh, but the Sharks are in a good position to be able to absorb his loss for the next couple of weeks. So, um Thankfully, it's something structural, but hopefully he gets back uh, in good time. I'm thinking another thing. W- when they first came out with it, they said it was just swelling in the knee, kind of mm-hmm. precautionary. They didn't want to send him on the uh, five-game road trip out east. Do you think this is kind of a rest method for them to just kind of keep him healthy, don't really have to send him on long road trips, kind of keep him in conference, keeps him fresh for an actual chance at them of winning the Stanley Cup? Because I think he's a vital part of what they're doing, where they want to go. And if someone shuts down Carlson and Burns, which is going to be tough, that offense is going to have to be firing, and you're going to need the big fella to um, be there, be healthy, and you know, not the youngest anymore. A lot of, a lot of miles on those tires. Yeah, the big facilitator. Um, that's actually a really good point. I never thought of it that way if that's the case we'll find out the next time uh they go on the southern road trip um that's actually not a bad idea for someone with his injury history recently and you want him healthy for the playoffs and the uh, deep playoff run at the sharks are probably going to go on uh i don't know how the league would feel about that though i know that nba used to do that all the time where they would rest players especially the spurs and he got upset with that for the uh, people that were attending the games and the tv rights so I'm curious to see if that happens again, if uh, Daly or Bettman get involved and say, like, you can't do that. If he's healthy, he's got to play. You can't manipulate uh, IR that way. You know, I'm just saying on the other end, I mean, everyone knows there's been an issue with his legs. I mean, the past two years, it's been an ACL and MCL. He's definitely gotten them done. And like you said, now if it is the infection, if that's what they're calling it, then, uh, you know, you never know how long an infection lasts. Yeah, two months. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll find out because if he's on antibiotics starting, I think, like five days ago, and usually like the course is at most 21 days, I think. So if he's not back within like three and a half weeks, then we know something's up. Strictly recommendation, that's all. <laughs> uh, speaking of Jumbo Joe, uh, since we're on a topic, have you still recovered from his trade? You know what I haven't recovered from about the trade was the return we got for it. Uh, Marco Sturm ended up being the best part of that trade. He he was here for a while, not notorious, not a Hall of Famer. I mean, he was just a good player, and with the team that we had then, he kind of filled the role. He did good. The other people we got back, Wayne Primo, Brad Stewart, like, come on. H- Harry Sinden and Mike O'Connell, like, th- they should have been fired years and years before any of this happened, and that definitely should have been the icing on the cake. But, yeah, the no, wrong Primo. Yeah, well, was there was there ever a right primo? But uh, <laughs> uh, shout out though. Speaking of jumbo, Matt Barnaby, Eric Lindros, that brawl we had at TD Garden with you guys, Lindros breaking uh, Joe's thought uh, jaw with that one punch. Oh, dude, Only highlight of the year for the Rangers him. that year. <laughs> he landed that right, and it was like, oh, like you just knew Joe was in pain, just dropped, and it's like, wow. enjoy your Jello. Well, yeah, well, it was like. I didn't know Lindros would actually hit anybody. That was the crazy part. It was like, wow, he crushed him. Yeah. 
But next, next, what we got up is Luongo, another oldie but goodie who's been suffering through uh, some injury-prone years. Spring MCL out two to four weeks. Uh, thirty-five years old. Uh, thirty, no, thirty-seven, I think. Uh, what are your thoughts on Luongo missing time again? I feel bad for him because I think he's kind of rejuvenated his career a little bit down there. He, he's been a decent goalie for him. I think the only wild card here is Reimer. Like, he comes in, and um, he used to be the starter in Toronto. Like, he can definitely take the workload. It's just you just don't know what you're getting out of him, which can make it risky for Florida. And, I mean, if he misses a month right now off the get-go, that brings you right into that Thanksgiving playoff time. So you, you need him to be able to be there and stop pucks for you, and you hope he can do it, and if he comes in, he does a good job. You don't have to rush Luongo back, but if he comes in and it's ugly, then, you know, Roberto, let's go. Get in. Yeah, I mean, the initial diagnosis is two to four weeks. Uh, Luongo will be out. You never know with uh, knee injuries, special ligaments, and someone his age. Like you said, th- he played 35 games last year, 40 the year before that, and he was a workhorse before the last couple of years. So you can see the wheels kind of coming off. The Panthers have a chance to be really good. And if they were in any other division, they'd probably be a favorited or at least a number one contender to finish tops in their division. But they're stuck with Tampa, Toronto, and Boston. If he's healthy, they have a chance to make some noise in the playoffs. So hopefully he gets back. I just don't think Reimer would cut it long haul. So you're kind of pushing it if you go any longer than him as your number one for the four or five weeks. So... For Florida's sake, if Luongo gets back healthy, that'll be a big boost. Yeah, another, uh, well, we'll get away from the olders and go to the youngers. But um, <laughs> Jonathan Quick being out, that is a huge hit to L.A. Because I didn't think they were really going to go anywhere this year anyways. But without him, like, he, they only go as far as he takes them. I think Quickie, who would you say is the best goalie in the league? I, I think Quickie has to be in the conversation every time. I mean, granted, last year and obviously this year, starting off with the injuries, but a healthy Jonathan Quick, man, I think he's probably the best goalie in the NHL. Uh, before I give my neutral opinion on the best goalie in the league, I just want to start off as a Ranger fan and say, fuck Jonathan Quick. <laughs> 2014, kiss my ass. I know he's a Connecticut boy, like all that crap, but fuck off <laughs> all right so unbiased opinion he's definitely up there when he's healthy uh he's i think he's a better playoff performer he's been great for team usa um right now it's probably say vasilevsky is the my pick for top goalie in the league but healthy i would say quicks top five definitely at least top 10 yeah there, there's no question on that i don't care who you are you're not arguing with us because we won't even let you on this fucking pod <laughs> Is there a timetable? Like, all I heard for Quick was it was a lower body injury, which I can't stand with the NHL that they have upper body, lower body, and that's all that needs to be reported. But I have heard no specifics about the actual injury or his timetable. No, nothing. And um, Matt Murray was the same way. Granted, they called his a concussion. But still, I mean, obviously you can't rush that back or anything like that. But no timetable on him, and I think – Granted, the team in front of him in Pittsburgh is a very good team, but at the same time, you do need some sort of goaltending because that defense is kind of a little at risk. I think they're kind of like Toronto. They're a little top-heavy where the forwards are kind of all all class, all world, all star. I don't know what you want to call it, but there's definitely some holes in the defense, so could be tough for them too. I know in L.A. they're going to go with the kid Campbell who played well last year. Uh, short, Small sample size, but he did play well. Um if Quick's out long-term, that's already supposed to be a tight pack division. So if he's out long-term, I can see the Kings kind of just falling uh, into the bottom tier of that division. Who's stepping up for Pittsburgh in Murray's uh, absence? Jesus Christ, I don't even know. I like, no I, is it Zach Hoff again? <laughs> Jeff Glass? Like, who the hell is yeah, <laughs> Brian Johnson yeah. coming out of retirement? I don't know. Clearly, you know, uh, my lackluster uh, planning here. But um, <laughs> no, I have no idea who they even have stepping in there. I mean, Zakoff when when he was in Manchester in the AHL, I didn't think he was a bad goalie, but I don't think he's a starter in the NHL by any means. So yeah, uh, let's see. Oh no, Jesus, I don't even know Tristan Jerry and Casey DeSmith. Well, yeah, Pittsburgh's uh kind of fucked there. <laughs> yeah, good luck. I mean, 
when they shipped out flour and obviously you know they had to for the cap things and all that i understood it and murray then brought them to back-to-back cups mm-hmm. but now to have him there and then no one just in case for something like this that's a little scary to me yeah i mean if you're a team that's supposed to be or is a Stanley Cup contender, you got to have the depth on D and the depth in goal, and they don't just don't have that right now. Away from injuries, top of the Eastern Conference, Carolina Hurricanes, 4-0-1. I mean, a lot of people picked them in uh, preseason to uh, be a playoff team and come out after years of rebuilding with the young talent and that Dougie Hamilton trade. Uh, to make some noise this year, at least contend for a playoff spot. It's only five games, but uh, Brindamore seems to have gotten something out of the team that uh, Peters wasn't able to, and he's actually the first coach in the long and storied history of the Carolina Hurricanes to get a, at least a point in the first five games of the year. So hats <laughs> off to the old rugged Rod Brindamore. He, he can turn it in now. Let, let's go for the lottery pick, boys. We, we made history. Coach Jack Adams, coach of the year. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think for Jack Adams, granted, like I said, we're four games in, but Rod's been a player his whole life. Then he went right into assistant coaching and now finally is ahead. I think he knows what players want what players need i think he's going to be a really good player coach on that end um aside from them being 4-0-1 can we discuss their new post-game celebration i saw a firsthand when it beat the rangers at the garden 8-5 it's uh, not at the garden in carolina but it's definitely you know it's fun they're having a good time it's carolina you have to do something to get the fans back in a non-traditional market down there even though they want a cup i have no problem with it no, dude, I, I think it's great to watch. I think it's a riot. I was waiting for um, when the first time it happened, it was kind of like, all right, and they did it again, so I'm like, oh, this is their go-to. I didn't know if they were going to switch it up and, like, start on the goal line, come out. You remember when you were, like, in mites <laughs> and you do, like, the uh, the Superman dive across the blue line? Yep. I was thinking something like that. So, but. Yeah, so for those who don't know, uh, at least this is how they've been handling it to start the year. They kind of start as a team. They lift their stick, uh, their sticks to the fans to, like, uh, celebrate a win, and then they kind of do like the Minnesota Vikings skull chant for a little bit with the crowd, and then they just haul ass from center ice to uh, the end board glass, jump into the glass, and then they haul ass to the other end of the rink. Uh, it gets the fans going. It's, it's fun. You know, I'm used to New York sports where everything is buttoned up and uh, everything has got to look prim and proper, so it's actually pretty fun to watch, even though it usually means that the Rangers lost to the Hurricanes. <laughs> but just to touch on their start, Jordan Stahl coming to his own this year. Uh, I know it's five games on pace for 66 goals. Uh, Michael Furland, uh, he never topped 200 shots on goal in his career with uh, Calgary. He's on pace for over uh, 275 at this point. And Sebastian Oho, man, dominating, 164-point pace. Yeah, I mean, came out of nowhere. I mean, I I knew he had a decent year last year, but I didn't think he was going to be coming on strong like this, so. Hey, I mean, at this point, do you ride the wave that the hurricane leaves? That that that's what I would do. Uh, again, like especially the call is starting off well. Their offense seems to be better than I anticipated. The D, everybody knows, is very deep and capable. It's still goaltending. Darling's out; he's injured. Uh, they have Curtis McElhaney, Peter Morazic. Even when Darling comes back, Brendan Moore indicated it might be a three-headed monster there, uh, but depending on who the hot hand is. So we'll see the goaltending situation, uh, how that works out. But Carolina is exciting. It's uh, good to see him back a little bit uh, down in, like I said, the non-traditional market. Speaking of kind of bouncing back, um, I know the record doesn't really show it at a two-two and one, but the Ottawa Senators, I, I think they're actually going to give people a run for their money. They played us on Columbus Day on Monday, and I believe the final was either six-two or six-three. They didn't come out in the first period, but the the next two periods, they played pretty good. And then some of their kids are coming out and performing here. Thomas Shabbat, he, he, the kid looks like he finally belongs. I know he was a big number one pick a couple of years ago. They were waiting for him to develop. It seems like he's kind of hit it in stride. Um, Tierney from that trade looks like he's finally doing something. And then Ryan DeZingle scored his the second goal when he was playing <laughs> up the other day. Um Brady Kachuk finally comes in healthy after missing the start with the groin, and he, he gets two goals in his first game. I, I think 
the record may not be there, but I think they could possibly be like Buffalo, where the kids are going to play a couple of years, and in a couple of years, they're going to be a scary team to play against. Yeah, I mean, they definitely started off this year better than uh, most thought they would. I wonder if what's playing into this, I know Guy Boucher is like a dead man walking in Ottawa until they probably bought him out uh, this year. But I wonder if the mentality is nobody expects us to do anything. Everybody says that we have no talent in this locker room. Let's shove it up their ass. Uh, So that makes them play hard. They might not have the talent to win uh, consistently. But like you said, if they have that type of mentality and they're just going to go out there and bust their ass against every team, they're not going to be an easy out for all 82 games. Dude, that's like such a hockey player mentality, though. Like, <laughs> anytime you're down, fuck these guys, shove it up their ass, let's go. And um, no, I, I think it definitely affects players, whether it be good or bad, whether they're in it mentally and they are thinking that, or they get to a certain point and they're like, all right, this is enough. But um, yeah, once trades start happening, I think that mentality might take a little bit of a hit. But for now, I think uh, that might be coming into play. Jesus Christ, never thought I'd be saying Ottawa had a good start. Um, <laughs> uh, quick uh, side tangent about the Sens, and uh, you mentioned Brady Kachuk. Did you see that video of him? He was getting interviewed on Hockey Night in Canada with a couple of the other young guys. Oh, I forget. What, I forget. Was it LaJoey or LaJoy, whatever his name is? The yeah, he kid? scored his first NHL goal, and he said that the first person he called was his girlfriend, and Kachuk sitting off to the side just like tilted his head back and rolled his eyes and shook his head. And... It, Afterwards, he was like, you got to call your parents, man. They're the ones that drove you to the rink when you were, like, six years old and sat there in the freezing cold weather, and you're thanking your girlfriend, man? Like, come on. <laughs> I, I think he's going to be, like, a chop off the old block, going to be just like Big Walt. He's going to be just like Keith. And uh, talk about a good dude, man. Keith Kachuk in general is just a good dude, and clearly it's shown with the kids. So big up to Keith, local guy, not a big deal. And, um, <laughs> yeah, but, no, I mean, good to see uh, the bloodlines are running thick there and the, the, what a riot his face dude I, I could watch that video over and over again to just start laughing <laughs> i'll post it up on uh our facebook page for people who can actually have a visual of what we're talking about it's hilarious that that woo feel Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh speaking of young and coming out on fire uh austin matthews john Tavares, morgan riley up in toronto Dude, they are like a 10-alarm blaze right now. Like, it doesn't matter how many fight departments you call in, you cannot put them out. Like, holy shit. Like, scoring goals like nothing. Morgan mm-hmm. Riley, I'm, granted, this is like a once-in-a-lifetime thing. He's going to get a compliment here, and we're going to move past it. But, <laughs> but in the first five games of the season, he had the most points of a defenseman ever. More than Bobby Orr. He had 12 points. Bobby had 11 Listen, Bobby Orr is the best defenseman of all time. This is not a discussion. He broke a record. If I could get apples, getting a second apple on just passing the puck up the boards, you know Matthews is going to crank it from the top of the circle. I would have 12 <laughs> points at this point, too. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's a probably once-in-a-lifetime compliment. Uh, like you said, Orr, 73-74 season. Uh, it was way back holding that record. I will contest that. The best defenseman in hockey history is not Bobby Orr, but probably Jeff Bukaboom. <laughs> Shout out Booms. Yeah, yeah, you want, yeah, Ulf Samuelson too, I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the Maple Leafs, they lead the league in goals. Uh, their offense is everything we all thought it would be. Uh, to quote, oh man, I'm forgetting that uh, NFL coach. He's like, they were who we thought they were. <laughs> but um, uh, Dennis Green, I think. I think it was Dennis, Dennis Green. Dennis Green, yes, thank you. Minnesota Vikings coach. Offense leads the league in goals. Uh, Matthews uh, has 14 points in six games. He has a multi-point uh, game each game of the year so far. Uh, Tavares is fitting in nicely, uh, even though he has all that pressure on him being a hometown kid with that big contract. Uh, everybody plays in expectations of a Stanley Cup at their doorstep. Uh, he has 10 points in six games. Uh, Marner's off to a great start. And like you said, Riley, their offense is incredible right now. Their power play tops in the league i think they scored on like 10 straight power plays at one point i don't know if it was tavares who scored it or passed it but there was one the other day where someone came back door tavares gets it in front goes backhand through his legs i I think it was matthews was there just buries it and you're like unbelievable i know i think we talked about it in our first episode but 
uh, one of the first games that he had, that goal that Matthew scored with the toe drag shot at the same time, uh, pinpoint accuracy. The kid is unreal. American-born. Thank you very much. Yeah, the face of USA Hockey for probably the next 15, 20 years. Yeah, um, while we're on Toronto, let's discuss this because I feel like now it's kind of hurting them. Nylander still isn't signed. The RFA yeah. still isn't re-signed, but the team's playing like this, dude. Shanahan came out with comments about when he was playing in Detroit, and on that Detroit team, there was eight Hall of Famers, eight of them. Mm-hmm. That, oh, two, baby. Yeah, and it's like some people had to take less money, but at the same time, that when they all come together now, it's all about they were winning and they were winning cups. I feel for Nylander in the sense of Marner and Matthews are both going to have to resign. Yep. And if I'm him, I don't mind giving a hometown discount as long as everybody else does. But I'm not going to be the first to sign, and you tell me everyone's getting a hometown deal, and then Matthews is making McDavid money, and I'm making six grand, six mil less a year. That That's a little yeah. different. But at the same time, I mean, I don't know why he doesn't sign to, like, a David Pasternak deal. Mind you, that Pasternak deal... Pasta's had like 20 more goals than him in the past two years and something else. So Pasta should have more. That's a fantastic value for the Bruins. Yeah, well, we'll talk about them next. But that Bergeron, Marchand, Pasta knock line, $19 million, best line in hockey. But um, what are your thoughts on it, Benny? Like, do you sign if you're Nylander? Like, obviously now it's kind of hurting your own stock because the team's playing good. Like, do you think Toronto tries trading him or something? Because, I mean, they do need defense, and I think he could definitely – bring them some return for sure um just to start off i need to call shanahan out even though when he was on the rangers he was fantastic yeah you had eight hall of famers and some guys took less money to play in detroit but there was no salary cap like come on man like playing less in detroit meant instead of getting paid nine million you got paid like eight million like it's okay there was no cap you could sign that's why you had eight hall of famers on your roster because there was no cap so it's a different setup uh, now running a team and negotiating with Nylander. Uh, if, to be honest, like he's not going to get an offer sheet. That would have happened already. He's His rights belong to Toronto. Uh, I give credit to them for holding fast uh, in their negotiations, especially with like a rookie uh, GM. The thing is, they want co- cost certainty because they know they have to sign Monarch, they have to sign Matthews, and those two... Matthews is not giving a discount. Matthews is not going to sign for anything less than probably $12 million a year. Monitor, they might try and negotiate a little bit of a hometown discount there to save some uh, cash to show up to defense. Yeah, but even but then, he's not, he would still be 7 or 8 Yeah, he's probably like seven and a half, eight million a year, and that's at a discount. Um, so if Nylander is holding out because he doesn't want to be the only guy taking a discount, he's not going to be in Toronto very long. Um I know on The Athletic, they actually had a article where they polled agents, uh, players, and GMs from around the league and asked them what a fair deal for Nylander is. And they said a long-term deal, six years, six and a half to 6.75 mil a year. Uh, if Matthew signs for 12, like you said, that's half of what uh, his line mate's getting. I don't know if that plays into it at all. I hope not. Uh, that's not really the NHL or hockey player like MO to care that much about how much your teammate is making. But the other thing is, yeah, you asked me what I would do. If I'm Nylander, I'm signing a two-year bridge deal. I don't care because Toronto's looking at it where the less term means the less money. So if he signs a two-year bridge deal, he's probably looking at like $5 million a year. I'll take that gladly. Give me the 5 mil each year, guaranteed. I'll bust my ass. I'll be on a line with Matthews. I'll be one of the best young talents in the league. And then in two years, Toronto will either have to pony up with and then I'll get my big money. <laughs> yeah, he'll be getting paid. But the only thing is this, too, and I'll probably get yelled at by certain people. That's fine, too. Do you think it's different because he's a Euro? And I mean that with, like, Euros want to be compensated very well. Their agents are kind of the same way. And maybe it's just because... It's like you said. I think he's been offered 6.25, but he's holding out for, like, 6.75. Like... At that point, dude, over your deal, whatever it's going to be, 500K doesn't mean shit when you're making six and a quarter. Or just split the difference with the team. So I'm for six and a half and be over with it. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's just the um, weird part to me. I hope it's 
not having to do anything with him being uh, European, Swedish. Shout out Michael Nylander. Um, well, didn't his I just... father lock out a couple? Well, not lock out, but like sat out too a couple of times. So I wonder if the old man's kind of telling him too, like, no, make sure you get paid. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Nylander did was a tough negotiator with the Rangers as well as uh, deal with them. I just don't need any hashtag warriors coming after us now, Casey, because of that little comment about European hockey players. I like the. I can't. I can't that. handle that, man. No. Jesus <laughs> just take down the social media. We're not. We're not dealing <laughs> with it. Um. Now back to what we should be talking about in five games between Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, and David Pasternak. Thirty points. Five games. Thirty points. I think the only problem we're having is that our secondary scoring isn't really there. But at this point, if they can put up that many points in that little amount of time, I'm okay with it. (laughs) Do you think it's a sustainable pace? I know all three guys are pretty prolific producers, but that's kind of a heavy pace to keep up for a full 82. No, I mean, I don't think the pace that they're on is they're able to do it because obviously some games you come in, you don't have it, or maybe only one of them scores or something like that. But um, that $19 million, man, for the three of them is a bargain. Like right now or next year at this time, for just Matthews and Tavares, Toronto's going to be $24 million in for just the two of them. Yeah. So, like, just that alone, I think, Three players of that caliber. Granted, we no, we drafted all of them. Yeah, yeah. we drafted all of them. This is all homegrown talent here. So I think that's a big thing. Um, I don't think I can really blame or credit Sweeney and all that because, I mean, these guys were already here. But if you can draft and develop players to this caliber and then keep them together, I think that's huge for an organization. Well, that's why the Bruins have been contenders since they basically drafted Bergeron because um, it cost certainty under the cap. They got team-friendly deals, and they draft and develop extremely well. You see, everybody thought the Bruins would fall off uh, as Char was getting older, uh, Krejci was getting a little bit older, things like that. But then you have DeBrus come in and help out on offense. Uh, so I think they're the best overall line in hockey. Uh, they can attack you in so many different ways. You have Marchand, who is a pretty prolific goal scorer at this point, which is weird to hear myself say that Marshan is a prolific I, goal scorer. And for the record, I think that is back-to-back weeks you've given Brad Marshan a compliment. So um, I'm just putting a little star <laughs> next to episode two and three so in the future I can just reference back. That's all. All right, yeah, you can use that against me in an argument <laughs> down the road. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he can score on you. He can also take you off your game, uh, get you out of your... Uh, mindset with his instigation and his, you know, a little bit of dirty play. Bergeron, my, you always have known that I've been a big Bergie fan. He's my favorite player in the league that's not on the Rangers. Overall, fantastic guy. Best defensive forward in the league year in and year out consistently. Uh, his offensive game blossomed into a top-line center. Pasternak is... Just the finisher on that line, the sniper. So they can attack in so many different ways and can be used in all situations, which makes them, I think, like you said, the top line in hockey. There are some other lines that produce offensively or may have more finishers, but overall, if I'm the Bruins, I throw them out there as often as possible, and I don't even worry about any any of the three zones. If anyone ever told me that they didn't like Patrice Bergeron, I would, like, punch him in the face. Cause, like, yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't get it. He just does his job so well, keeps his head down. Yeah, like, and on top of it, it's like, they all say Bergie is a better human than he is a hockey player. And I think that's phenomenal, and especially for things in the room and stuff like that, all the experience he brings, the hard work day in and day out, and the fact that he treats the defensive game better than the offensive game, like... That's huge for anybody coming up. Because if you look at someone in the room, oh, why did you last in hockey? Because I put the defensive part of it first. The offense is there. You're going to get your chances. But if you're not good in your own end, you're not going to last in this league. Yeah, and I'm just glad that he seems to have moved past his uh, head injury history, concussion issues that he had in the past. Uh, So glad to see that. Who do you think, besides them, would... Battle them for top spot in the league for like best line right now. 
I was thinking about that. I was thinking about like Couturier, uh, Giroux, and either Voracek or Konecki. Any line that has McDavid on it. And if Nylander was playing, like the Hyman Matthews Nylander line is right up there. But I just can't pick anybody overall against your your Bruins. Yeah, it, it, it's just weird. Like like you said, trying to pick another line that you can get for the value that they give you is definitely going to be difficult. Um, like you said, anybody, the McDavid line, regardless, he, the goal he <laughs> scored the other night um, when he played us, legitimately, Chara was looking for his jock in the fourth row. <laughs> like, legit. And the craziest part is, I know when I was younger and I played, when I was, like, moving man or, like, trying to accelerate, like, my body, like, I am cranking, like, I look like... a like, locomotive. Yeah. McDavid had this one-two stride that, like, it didn't even look like he picked his legs up high enough to get a kick out of him, and he was gone. I was like, yep. that is why you... All right, best player in the league, Sid or McDavid? I'll go McDavid. I'm, like, on the fence. I don't know. Like, ah. right now, I would pick McDavid. Um, I know... That's tough. I mean, just the fact that McDavid's in that conversation when Crosby was billed as the next Gretzky shows how uh, talented he is. But Crosby's just kind of, I think he's plateaued a little bit like his best year. He's not going to reach any new heights. Like, he's battle-tested, he's won cups, he's offensively gifted, all that. But I just feel like McDavid might have a higher ceiling by the time his career is over. I like that. That, that. That's a fair assessment. That's all well, I'm all about, man. Yeah, just just bringing that New York fairness. I hear ya. Okay, speaking about New York, I need to get this off my chest. You were talking about the value of your first line, nineteen million for those three guys who are contributing to the best line in hockey. For comparison, the Rangers pay the combination of Matt Zuccarello, Kevin Hayes, and Mika Zibanejad more money than a combination of Marchand, Bergeron, and Pasternak. That is why you guys are contending year in and year out for a Stanley Cup, and that is why the Rangers are on a playoff bubble at best, and Lundqvist is dying in goal, giving up, facing 40 shots a game. But he looks good doing it. He always looks good doing it. My God, what a handsome Just guy. for success. Just, even in the net. <laughs> um, speaking of, well, they're on two different lines, but starting off with a bounce back, Taves and Kane in Chicago coming out on fire. I think they both got five goals each. You think this is a little bit of an upset part of last year? Like they didn't have a very good year? Or do you think, you know, maybe they're finally over some injuries and finally getting back to the pace that they were? What do you think? I do think the uh, longer layoff this summer definitely helped them. The two of them, because of their deep playoff runs, essentially played an extra season of hockey. Uh, based on their playoff histories the last few years with the Cups and the Cup runs. So the long summer definitely probably helped them. Uh, I was a little bit worried about Taves more than Kane just because he's a year too older. His style of play is much more rugged than Kane's is, so I figured the wear and tear would impact him more, but glad to see him out. I don't know. I just They probably also know they have to carry the team more. They can't rely on Keith and Seabrook in the back end. Who knows what you're going to get from Crawford uh, or Cam Ward for that matter. So I just think they have that added pressure on them. Yeah, I think another thing too, like you said, Crawford, his health every year seems to just be never there. There's always at least 20 games he's out in a season for something, sprained ankle, tore something. So, yeah, I mean, maybe they're just like the the offense has to be going. Um, The young kid there, DeBrinket's been playing pretty good with them too. Yeah, that's true. I will say, I have a thing, and this isn't just hockey-related. I have a thing for like old guard guys who are battle-tested, who've played the game the right way, who've won a title before, and they're nearing maybe not the end of their individual careers, but the end of their window with the team that they're on. And I just have a thing for seeing them go on one more deep run for like old times' sake. So I hope the Blackhawks can make a run uh, this year or next while... Taves and Kane are still at the top of their games just to see them in a conference finals or something one last time and see if they can pull it out uh, due to their experience. Yeah, I mean, captain-wise, too, Taves is everything you look for. He's definitely the leader of that team. Like, I know Kane's going to beat him every year in points for the flashy part of it, but that Taves gives you that Bergeron effect of 
anything and everything you need to get done and you want to win a game, I'm here. My favorite part about that whole relationship dynamic they have between the two of them is how no bullshit Taves is. And then Kane is always trying to be like the artist on the ice. And I remember a couple of years ago, they were both mic'd. Taves was mic'd up and they're on a power play and he's just screaming at Kane. Give me the fucking puck. Get, get rid of the puck. And Kane's just like dangling at the blue line, circling the entire offensive zone, waiting for a shot. And then the puck gets stolen and they go to the bench. And as they go into the bench, Taves is like, Next time you do that, I'm spearing you. Give me the fucking puck. <laughs> well, th- did you hear the best part about that? The next shift they come out, and he says, Kaner's doing his dipsy-do. He's doing his this. He's doing his that. He says he gives him the best saucer pass he's ever had in his life. Cross-eyes, tape to tape. Taves buries it. He's like, that's what I'm fucking talking about. And Kaner's pointing across the rink yelling. He's like, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> That's hockey, man. That, that's what you get when you play together that long and just you get on each other's nerves, but you know you, you, you get two of the best at it. Love that shit. <laughs> oh that story always gets me, dude. Um, I guess while we're out in the Western Conference, Vegas Golden Knights, after their cup run last year, currently 2-4. and four, um, Marc-Andre Fleury not being Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah. Or do you think this is in the sense of why Pittsburgh got rid of him. Because he was kind of on that little downhill a little bit, and maybe last year was just a bounce back, new face, new place, felt good, and then maybe he wears in a little bit because, I mean, he's currently in five games, two and three. Yeah. And what's goals? Goals against 880. Yeah. No, 3.08 save percentage, 880. I mean – that's part of the reason why Pittsburgh got rid of him and kept Murray, just because of the age difference and a decline that was going to happen. I don't think anybody, not even Vegas, probably expected uh, Flurry to play as well as he did last year. The thing is, everybody was expecting a little bit of a come down to earth um, from the Knights this year. Their D is not nearly as passable as it was last year, which is probably hurting Flurry a little bit. Well, Schmidt um, being out that 20 or 25 games is killing him, too. Yeah, which, I mean, we can talk about that if you want, that whole suspension thing and what happened to him. But um, I just think he was in decline. Last year was a great year, but they gave him that extension. Now they're on a hook for him for a couple more years, uh, kind of a big cap hit. I know they can afford it right now, but they have guys that they're going to want to lock up and be active in free agency at some point to keep. Uh, they're a little bump in the Vegas market going. Pittsburgh made the right choice. It's just a matter of... Fleury is not this bad. It's just a matter of what his norm's going to be for like the next couple of years. Well, yeah, I mean, not to mention, too, Pittsburgh got Murray at three mil a year. Like, you want to talk about a steal when you lock him up. Like, Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see exactly what's going to happen there in Vegas because, I mean, from my experience here in Boston... I don't think you can rely on Malcolm Subban as being your backup. No. I mean, he shit the bed every game he played here. Granted, he's been better in Vegas because last year when Flurry was hurt, they kind of went through that little carousel of goalies because everyone was getting hurt. But um, I just don't think reliability-wise you can rely on Malcolm to be the guy behind them because if things go south and you start throwing him in there, I don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, and I mean – Besides Schmidt being out, Stastny's uh, out injured, which is a blow for their offense. I think James Neal is a bigger loss than they were anticipating. Uh, even though on the ice, like not really a huge fan of how he plays the game, but he seems to have been a leader inside that locker room. So they lost that. That was a void to fill. So uh, they'll probably bounce back. But, yeah, I think Flurry is the one that might impact the organization longer term based just on the extension that he signed. Yeah, because like you said, they're on the hook, so that's tough to. Uh, it, it's hard to have somebody else pick up your bad groceries. We know with two grass. <laughs> so, uh, what, else? what were your thoughts about the whole Schmidt thing? If we want to touch on that uh, yeah, briefly, we, yeah, we can touch on it. Um, there was one thing I knew about guys in the room, and they always said you have to know a hundred percent what you're putting into your body because. There was one guy who had asthma, and he used a steroid inhaler, but no one felt remorse for him because you know what you're putting in your body. 
Um, <laughs> for the amount that they said, they said basically the amount of banned substance they found in him was the equivalent of a grain of salt in an Olympic-sized swimming pool. Yeah. Um, so for whatever that is, I on, I don't think he was trying to hide anything. His his statement on it was very firm that he didn't think he did anything. He was only taking substances that were given to him from the team. Um, at this point, if I'm him, I just go straight to BioSteel and I use only BioSteel products because. <laughs> well, well, no, I mean like th- they have the least amount of ingredients. Like most of the shit's natural. It, he's losing. It was a million bucks. It was a million and change. So just off that alone, I mean, A, you're getting hit in the wallet for something you didn't even think you did, but B, for as minuscule as, like, is that how you say it? I don't even know. I, I just butcher that. But for as minimal as, a, like, what they found for a specimen, mm-hmm. I don't know how they didn't test him again or, like, there was more to it because it just seemed like Vegas kind of took the suspension and off they went. Yeah, and I mean, the thing that stood out to me was, like you said, his statement the, how strongly he came out opposed to it, how he used specifics. Like, he didn't just say, uh, I'll be proven innocent, like the standard athlete jargon. He gave examples. He, His agent gave the exact measurements of what he tested positive for and how little it was. And I think that caught a lot of attention by the players around the league and got him a lot of credibility. I just, if that's the amount that he tested positive for i'm just curious about the nhl's drug testing policy and what the limit is like is it if we find anything even if it's that minute you're gone like is there a level like the nhl is famous for not being transparent about any of their internal reviews so i don't know what the situation is with their drug testing policy but for schmidt to get 20 games for that little amount and to come out that vehemently against it I figured he would have pushed, or the players union would have pushed for like an independent arbiter, but I think they're just eating it for he gets back on the ice quicker. Yeah, because I mean, even if you like you said they get an arbitration thing and he locks it up longer, and at some point he still has to serve it. So, yeah, that's true. I don't know. Um, on to your boy, Kevin Shatty. Uh, shatty, shatty, shatty. Uh, more like shitty. <laughs> um. Big free agent signer for the Rangers last offseason. Took a hometown discount uh, to play for his childhood team, the Rangers. Last year, he was not playing well. And then it came out, he injured his knee in preseason. I was trying to play through it. I uh, missed the remainder of the year. So most of the writers and the fan base gave him a pass on that, expecting him to uh, rehabilitate, uh, get healthy, and come back this year and be the shot Kirk that he was in St. Louis. Uh, the Sean Kirk that he was in Washington, has not started that way. Five games in, uh, he's already been healthy scratched, and this is a guy who was supposed to be our, he's our highest paid defenseman, he's supposed to be our top pair right-handed guy, our power play quarterback. Uh, I will say that the healthy scratch probably killed two birds with one stone because one of the issues that uh, Elaine Vigneault ran into uh, with the Rangers was he wasn't consistent with who he scratched or benched for periods at a time. It's mostly young guys. Veterans got a big pass. Uh, his guys got a pass. So I think Quinn, yeah, Sean Kirk definitely deserved that healthiest scratch, but he's also one of Quinn's boys. Uh, Quinn was at his wedding. He's a Hockey East guy. So I think benching him was able to allow him to get another defenseman into the lineup, but also sent a message to the locker room saying, your play will merit who who gets ice time. There's no favorites. I don't care who you are. Uh, he also benched Hayes for a couple periods uh, last week, and he's another one of Quinn's favorites. So I think it's message sending. It's just extremely disappointing because if our defense is a mess to begin with, Stahl is a fucking dinosaur who can't move. McQuaid and Clayson are depth guys. Uh, D'Angelo looks like a power play specialist. Shea is doing better. Smith is going to get traded or bought out at some point. Uh, Pionk is inconsistent. So if we're not getting anything from Shattenkirk, the Rangers are in a bigger mess than they already were expected to be. And it's just really disappointing for somebody who came in on such a big deal to be a healthy scratch this early in the year. I think what you said is crucial, though, that Quinney benched one of his guys because they both won that national championship together at BU. So there's definitely a 
big bond. I, I'd say bond. You know, there, there, there's definitely a bond there. And um, for him to do it, it's like you said, the, that whole room now knows your performance is what it's given. Hopefully, like you said, it's a kick in the ass for him and he can play better. But at the same time, say if it's not and he's still kind of on the decline. I mean, you guys gave him term and money. Like, yeah, six and a half mil a year, I think. Yeah, and I mean, you're going to have to eat that. Do you think he was a number one when you guys signed him, or do you think he was a number two guy? I know that was a big discussion with a lot of people, that they thought he got number one money for being a number two defenseman. Yeah, I think the Rangers were hoping he would grow into the number one role because he was stuck behind Petrangelo in St. Louis, so he was never given the full-time opportunity to do so. But he's just... He's like a blind man in a defensive zone. He's <laughs> he's not as bad as D'Angelo. He's not as bad as some other guys. Like I'm not trying to completely crap on the guy's play. He's not terrible defensively. He's just you can't put him out there. Let's say the Rangers in a playoff series against Toronto. There is no chance in hell you can put him out there against Matthews or Marner. No. He would get eaten up alive. So if that's the guy you're paying six and a half million a year to be on your top pair and you have to shelter his minutes. That right there tells you everything you need to know. I I have no response. <laughs> when it comes to the Rangers, I have uh, too many opinions. We can do a whole episode about expansion and relocation. I can do a whole episode <laughs> just about how the Rangers built their team that got them to the cup and then how they watched it crumble to the ground and, and make up. terribly bad decisions for replacements. Dan What's Boyle that? replaced Anton Strollman, bro. Like, are you kidding same money per year, and he got Boyle and let Strawman go. That was the worst. That pissed me off so much. But, all right, I'll let that go. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll talk you down off the ledge a little bit. Um, I got a couple of chirps this week as to um, our hockey Do we need back. to drop the gloves? No, no, no. no. I think they, uh, they were saying, we want to know more about your guys' background and, and like, what it is to hockey and all that. Um, okay. You want me to go first? Do you want to go first? What do you want to do? Uh, I'll go first. Um, yeah, so I mean, obviously both Kevin and I played hockey most of our lives. I played uh, ice hockey since I was a kid, uh, four or five years old. Play all of it, played all the way up through high school. Um, Kevin and I, I'm hopefully not stealing too much of your own thunder here. Uh, we met in college, and we actually started a club hockey team uh, for our, our university uh, for a couple years there. Um, I interned with the Worcester Sharks and then worked for the Sharks for a season in the PR department. Uh, just overall hockey has been life. Hockey is my love. Baseball is my mistress. I'll say it that way. Um, but yeah, been around hockey, been around locker rooms my entire life. Just the lifestyle is something that is not foreign to me, and I'm able to kind of look at it through the lens of somebody who's played and then somebody who's worked uh, in the front office as well. All right, I'll um I'll go on my background. Yeah, same thing as Benny. I grew up playing hockey, played forever, you know, through high school. Um, me and Ben met in college, sports management majors. Big up, LaSalle. Love at first sight. Uh, th- yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I actually thought we were gonna drop the gloves at first because the way we <laughs> met was me and Ben had some of the same classes, and then my cousin Jason, he came to LaSalle too, and then I forget what it was. We'd always have Bruins gear on and. Ben Roy's have New York. I, I wore my Rangers hat every day, even on a weekend, for three straight years in college until it got too dirty to wear anymore. So that's how you guys started talking shit to me in class. Well, yeah. Well, the the first time we met, I forget what it was, but it, you said something about the Bruins or Boston in general, and Jay just instantly jumps, and it's like, yo, shut the fuck up, NYR. And I'm like, oh, here <laughs> I said we Cam go. Neely was the most undeserving Hall of Famer in the Hall of Fame because I knew that would get you guys riled up and it Jason fell for it you didn't so I knew right away who I can instigate. <laughs> yeah, you know you can get a rise out of it. it. It takes a few to uh to really get me going like hey uh I'm going to go take your girl out to dinner. You know how that goes. <laughs> but um no, so yeah, we started the club the club team over at LaSalle and uh we had a good time doing it. Um so for my internship I first started in the summer in the sales and marketing department with the AHL Lowell Devils, so New Jersey's farm team. Um, Once is the season, yeah, RIP, now in Albany, well, now in Binghamton, I believe. I think they've moved twice. Um, Once is the season started, I kind of 
told them how I kind of wanted to do more on the hockey side. So I ended up becoming a hockey operations intern uh, on the video side of things. So my boss was Lawrence Filoni, who is currently the video coach of the Nashville Predators. Um, I owe Law a lot. Very nice guy. Very humble. Um, no question about it. He is the hardest worker in the league. Like, the dude, the amount of hours he works and he puts in and all that, I think people don't notice it because he's not behind the bench. But there's a whole bunch of stuff that he does behind the scenes that that team would not operate um, without him. So big shout out to Law. Um, that year, the head coach was Johnny Mack. Uh, he ended up getting the New Jersey job the year after. He ended up getting gassed over there, and then I think he became an assistant again, and then mm-hmm. now he's just doing TV. And then the other assistant at that point was Kevin Dean, who is now one of the Bruins' assistant coaches on the defensive end. Uh, at the end of the season, when Lowell had moved to Albany, I had then reached out to Worcester. I was uh, staying local. So I worked with the uh, Worcester Sharks for a year, being the video coordinator there. And that's where Kevin and I worked together. So we went to school together, graduated, and then we ended up uh, being with the Sharks together too. A lot of long, long drives to and from the Boston to Worcester route. Long late nights. Like yep. the legit, the worst would be when we'd be on the road in like Bridgeport. Like yeah. Bridgeport was the worst ride of them all. Sucked. <laughs> and then you would come same day back. travel. Oh my God, God bless. Like we would come back and then. It would be like a Saturday night we played Bridgeport, and then we'd have like a 1 o'clock on a Sunday. So legit, I'd go home, I'd sleep for like three, four hours, wake up, shower, back at the rink. Like, oh, good old Bridgeport. <laughs> I will say, I want to give, give a shout-out. Uh, if he ever hears this, he'll probably be listening to this at either Mohegan Sun or Foxwoods. But uh, shout-out to Eric Lindquist, who was the... PR director and play-by-play man for the Worcester Sharks when they were in Worcester uh, gave me the opportunity with a random phone call one summer to start off as an intern with the Sharks and then uh, move into a bigger role the following year. Uh, Other than that, favorite memory of us being in Worcester together with the Sharks or favorite thing that we did? Me, oh me um yeah well the thing we did the most was unos like unos was mandatory <laughs> yeah oh my god do you remember the night when um we were there with ginner and the big sexy taking shots and yeah, mutter got, and mutter was across the bar giving us the devil eyes it was like oh shit <laughs> well the thing was so we were sitting at the bar in unos in worcester um and we were drinking like we always said like we got food after at least each friday night game we were to go there and then uh, we saw Desi, we saw uh, Tyson Sexton sitting at the bar, and we got them some drinks, even though they were the professional hockey players, and we were interns at the time. Yeah, we, and we were just it on our big drinks. salary. <laughs> and they were like, well, we can't drink much more. We have a day game tomorrow. And Tyson was like, I ain't playing tomorrow. I'm the backup. <laughs> so he starts pounding shots, only to find out he gets to the arena the next day, and who's starting in goal because Stalock needs a day off? Tyson and he was fucked. <laughs> oh my god, the big sexy. Oh, great. Yeah, no, no. We should get Lindquist on here. Uh, we'll have to figure out a time with like you being on the West Coast and us being here. But he's back in Worcester now doing the Railers. He was in San okay. Jose doing the AHL, the Barracuda, but now he's back in Worcester. Eric is a good dude. He's a funny guy. Um, yeah, stories on stories. I'm actually pretty sure he's still on like the top three most wanted list in her in Hershey, PA. After he would like chirp the whole organization on the radio, like, what a classless organization! Blah, blah, blah. He said like he went back there the next game, and he said like the fans were like pointing up at the radio thing at him, like we're gonna kill you. He was like, get me the fuck back on this bus now. I, what was funny was. I sat in on a game with him because uh, usually once the game started, I did PR and uh, work for the Sharks. So I was responsible for handling media requests for the players for interviews, writing articles in the, on a team website or the team magazine. But once the game started, I would be working with the AHL official scores, tracking ice time for the Sharks for each player. This game, we had interns, uh, new interns handling that. So I was actually sitting in the booth with uh, Eric as he's doing a play-by-play, and I'm just slotting him notes, like random tidbits of information on, like, sticky notes, like, uh, 
Marc-Andre uh, Fluche was playing for the Manchester Monarchs, and I was like, he was actually part of the deal I brought Sean Avery to the Rangers, and I sold that over to him. And Eric throws that in on the broadcast, just like, pass over to Fluche, who was actually part of the Avery deal that brought uh, the pass to the Rangers. I'm like, this is pretty sweet. First intermission comes around, he's like, Ben, if you're going to slide me some fucking notes, put a headset on and get on the radio, otherwise leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was... I was like, all right, I'll leave you alone. I am not getting on the radio and sounding like an idiot. <laughs> no, he was great. Um, I'm trying to think who else is in Worcester there. Oh, big shout out to uh, Cunny, the assistant coach, and then Roy, yes. who uh, most wins in AHL history. Um, two great guys to learn from. And um, I had a blast, man, that year with them. We had a lot of good times. Uh, My favorite part love... was after the game, you telling me if it was because I would come down to visit Kev, who was in the coach's office doing his video work. And if it was a loss or even if it was a win, Kev knew when to warn me to get the hell out of there. Not even just the office, like out of the tunnel, because he knows Roy or Connie was to come there and rip shit. And if they looked at me, they knew that I was in PR. I had no business being in their office. They'd be like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> No, I was always appreciative of Kev giving me a little heads up. <laughs> yeah, no, there, there's two good Roy and Cunny stories. I, we might have to hold on to them for another yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, we'll share them another time. But, oh, my God, yeah. There was one time, yeah, you were there the time when uh, it was our last home game before we had to go to Charlotte for the last yep. two, and we lost, and we're in the playoff hunt. Yeah, and I just looked at you. I was like, dude, get out. <laughs> like, you do not want to be here right now. And, oh, man. <laughs> It was great. And I, I barely made it past the tunnel where the <laughs> players and the coaches come and make their right turn to go towards the locker room. And I was just past there. And Connie sees me and he goes, Ben, I'm glad you're fucking leaving. <laughs> oh my God. I love those guys, man. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, the only thing I would say is it was fun having Chichu in town when he was uh, signed that two-way deal with the Sharks trying to make it back to the league. Yeah, and I mean, the best part about Chichu, too, was the person he was off the ice. Like, he was just a great guy, really humble. Um, and it was great, too, that he brought all that NHL experience down with him. Um, that might be a guy who might want to get on here, have to do an yeah. interview or something. Well, if we get him on, uh, I don't think you were there with us. And maybe you should dedicate some portion of next week's episode to some of our Worcester or our personal hockey stories. But uh, I actually ended up going to a quote-unquote, and I say that in heavy quotes for Worcester, um, a club with Chichu, uh, Desi, Braun, and uh, what was his name? He was the captain again. I I can't believe I'm blanking on him. The captain again? Where over there? Um, Moore. Oh, man, uh, Mikey Moore. Yeah. Yeah, Mike Moore. And we went we went out, and I was there, and everybody just assumed I was part of the team, like I was a player. Had a great time. But the funny part was the first lady was actually going to college in Worcester that when we were working for the Sharks, we d- obviously didn't know each other. And that was the same place that her and her friends would go to on like the weekends, too. So we might have been in the same place at the same time. And I was with like NHL players, AHL players. And she was just like some college girl. I'm like, I'm getting drunk. <laughs> do, do you think maybe that night she, she was doing a mock draft? She's like, I'll take him with a first round pick. I mean... When you put me next to some of these guys with some gnarly-ass scars and teeth, man, I, if I'm not the first pick, I might as well just pack up shot. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> but shout-out again, Anna. That was not a mocking tone. I don't want to dig myself a hole here. <laughs> yeah, no, don't do that. Uh, we got anything else on the docket for this week? Uh, I figured we can end it with some laughs. I hope everybody that's listening to our podcast knows who I'm going to talk about when I say his name. Gritty. Oh, the mascot from the Philadelphia Flyers, who legit looks out like a be... Philly fan. Like he he looks like a Philly fan. That's what I envisioned <laughs> them looking like. He turned has turned when he first was announced. Twitter lost their shit about mocking the mascot, questioning who he is, being like, "What the hell is this thing?" He's actually turned out to be. And this is not an NHL promotion. It's the Flyers organization. But he's turned out to be one of the best marketing campaigns the league has seen since, what, Joe Thornton was burning ice in that hotel room for uh, players. It's just like us. Uh, (laughs) But he's been on Conan. He's been all over the place, man. He's on social media everywhere. I actually sent Kevin a video. Uh, I'll post this to our Facebook page as well. 
of Gritty basically swooping down from the rafters and just wiggling uh, it, wiggling and it wiggling it to a wrecking ball, like dancing, like impersonating Miley Cyrus. It's incredible. I love. I want to hate him because he's a Philly mascot. That he has nothing to do with what a like. How does that represent the Flyers? But I just love him, man. I can't hate him. I love this thing. Like I said, I, he just reminds me of one of their fans. Like the look, that that awkward <laughs> smile. Like he just reminds me of a Philly fan. It, it, that it one works. lazy eye from getting punched <laughs> in the head too many times at the vet. Yeah, yeah. Still at the Broad Street bully. Still gets beat up on the way in and on the way out. A few too many wobbly batteries at people. You know, nothing but the best in Philly, pal. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I had on my end. Uh, I just I love gritty man. Well, Maybe we should get gritty on. You know what? Um, if we're not able to get gritty, I will try and get the New Jersey Devil himself. I I will try to get the New Let's Jersey Devil on. Um, he might have to defend gritty for some of his actions, but um, <laughs> you know, mascots I, stick together, pal. I will. I haven't mentioned this to you before, so uh, there is a possibility. I would put it at seventy thirty that. Our holiday episode around a Christmas time might be a double in-person podcast. Holy shit! Wow, the prodigal it down son like that, might be huh? returning to the East Coast, and more specifically, the Bean for a short visit. Not a big deal. Well, we will um, <laughs> pencil that in on the calendar. We'll we'll have the uh, the black sheep two five and ten uh, Christmas <laughs> party. So it'll, it'll just be me and you. And uh, yeah, that'll be all. That's all, that's all we need, Benny. I, perfect. I, I hope people actually listen to this because I don't listen to it after because I hate my voice just in general. So that's one less listener. So out of the two, oh, of us, I, ha- I hate listening to it because I hate my voice. I just listen and I ridicule myself. I'm like, why do you sound like that? You piece of shit. Oh my God, <laughs> I, I'm there and I'm like, you don't even know anything about hockey. Stop talking. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, we'll see. I'll We'll finalize that hopefully. But if you do it double in person, we should have red put on some, uh, like eyeshadow on us, make it look like we have some black and blues. I'll just have her beat me. It's fine. <laughs> I'll go the alternative. I'll go for the real one. Well, keep that off the radio, man. We don't want to hear about that. Oh, yeah, I got to cut this at the end. But, uh, <laughs> all right, everybody. We will uh, catch you for episode four next week. Peace. Later. Keep my faith intact and make sure my prayers are said. Cause I've learned that the monsters ain't the ones beneath the bed.